2: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and Hey, fam. I'm Jada Pinkett Smith, and this is the Red Table Talk podcast. All your favorite episodes from the Facebook Watch Show in audio. Produced by Westbrook Audio and iHeartRadio. Please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. We have a legend in the house. The one and only Fat Joe. We're going to make history. He has lived an unbelievable life. You know, I got shot in front of my mother. Boom, I get hit.
3: Boom, I get hit. Oof. I was always a good person doing bad things.
2: And that's what I love about you. You just keep it real. And you've been married 27 years. Dis- what Dis- attracted Dis- you Dis- to her? No disrespect. Here
0: we go. Yeah, I like
2: the fat ass. Wow. <laughs> he has so much wisdom to share. I heard Lil Wayne gave you some advice before you went to jail. He said, we want to put you in a solitary
3: confinement. And I said, Joe, don't fold. We've
2: lost some serious talent in the rap world. What's your take on that? I never flew nowhere for no interview
3: in my life. This morning on the way here, I came out of my hotel, the door opened, and it was Kanye West, and uh, wow. I grabbed the show. That's it.
4: Ooh.
3: Joe cracked the uh. door.
2: This gonna be fun. Yeah. We did. Yes, we got the one and only here today. We have a legend in the house. He has lived an unbelievable life and has so much wisdom to share. He's been called a gangster and a gentleman. From the projects to prison to private planes, what a life he has lived. Fat Joe is an icon. Yeah! The Grammy nominated multi-platinum selling artist, author, and entrepreneur has been called the goat of hip-hop storytelling. Joe has not only worked with some of the biggest stars, Jay-Z, Eminem, J-Lo, Diddy, Ashanti, Lil Wayne, and Cardi B. He discovered DJ Khaled, who he now calls his best friend. But success did not come easy for the man born as Joseph Antonio Cartagena. Now he's pulling back the curtain on his fast and furious life. And biggest lessons in his new memoir, The Book of Jose, a raw and inspiring story of survival. Let's welcome to the Red Table the one, the only, Fat Joe. (laughs) What's up, y'all? What's good? Good It's so good to see you. Nice to meet you.
4: What's
2: up? Glad you're
4: here. What's going on? Where y'all sit over there?
3: Yes. First of all, y'all trapping out the back of the house. I gotta <laughs> tell them, I never seen a setup like this. I'm like, yo, they getting money in the back, y'all. This is that's when you made it, man. Right? Like you. I'm honored though. When I woke up this morning to see y'all, I was like, oh, we are gonna make history this morning.
2: Well, we're honored to have you. Yeah, yeah. we really are. You got so much. Wisdom to share. You start this book by saying, you hope people can learn from that's your mistakes, right? That's what it's all about, Joe. I think people have to understand, sharing your, your biggest mistakes are not easy. It is a level of vulnerability, mm-hmm. but it is of great service. And that's what I love about you. It's like, mm-hmm. you just keep it real. It's just so important. Us youngins can definitely learn something from, from your incredible journey as well. Like- Absolutely. Thank you. Let's talk about some of your biggest mistakes and the lessons that you've learned from them.
3: Yeah. So Fat Joe was a really, he was a really bad guy at one time. I'm gonna be honest with you. Tell me what you thought
2: made you a bad guy though, Joe. Cause I would say you were a good guy who yeah. might've done some bad, bad, bad things.
3: It was predator or prey where I was from. It was wow. a real bad place. When I was 12 years old, I, I need y'all to put a clip of this up. The Bronx looked like a war zone. We had no parks. We had no playgrounds. The buildings were like, people lived in abandoned buildings. Yeah. Like, you know, just a ab- bit. I don't know how else to explain yeah. it to you. We would play on pissy mattresses yeah. with stray dogs. I do remember staring out, telling my man Louie, I said, Oh, no. This ain't for me.
4: Right.
3: <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right. This ain't for me. And I'm poor. That's all I know is being poor my whole life. I was like, Oh, no. I'm going to get rich and die trying. Yeah.
2: Joe had a tough time as a kid. When he was about 11, he discovered his first passion, graffiti. Joe was kicked out of seven different junior high schools for his excessive tagging, but his real trouble started at his eighth
3: school. I used to get bullied every day. I would walk out the front door of the school, drop my bags, and it'd be on. A mob of 20 guys would surround me and I would punch the toughest one in the face. That would set it off. The rest of them would just pound me out till I got on the bus. This happened for around two years. Outside of immediate family and a few friends, I felt like the whole world was against me. Leonard was my best friend. One day the bullies come up to him and say, yo, what you doing with this guy? If you don't beat him up with me...
0: We gonna we beat, you to beat you up. We gonna beat you up.
3: And what's crazy is he didn't even think twice. He beat me up with them. Wow. Right? And that was... a that's a deep psychological and emotional wound. At that point, my heart just turned black. Mm-hmm. And I remember crying and just tying my boots. And I was just like, I'm giving it to everybody. Yeah. I don't care no more. That's it. That was like my last straw at the sweet exactly. Like, You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. that's it. Like, <laughs> like everybody's going to get it. Right? And in that process of turning into Joey Crack, some good people Got hurt along the line.
2: OK, okay. Joey Crack. Where mm-hmm. did that name come from? Joey well, Crack. The
3: way I got Joey Crack was before the drug crack. When the teacher would ask me to go to the chalkboard and write something, I always had, like, sweats like I'm wearing out and the crack of my ass would <laughs> <chalk>. show. <laughs> and so the girls would be like, oh, Joey Crack, Joey Crack. And it just stood my name. I had it. I made it my graffiti name. And then it turned got into it. my rap name.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you left home
3: at 14? 14.
2: 14, wow. Wow. 14. Scary, too.
3: Scary. And just on a, your own? Yes. What happened with me was uh, I had a beautiful mom. My father was real tough. But he was a hard worker. My father never used drugs. And what he did, we had a lot of tough times with him. And this day, you would have got him locked up. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, in this age, he's in jail. <laughs> oh, right. Like, forget about it. Right. Like, we could have diagnosed him with everything. He come home after being drunk and playing poker and losing all his money. And, and my moms would wake up 3 in the morning, cook him a steak, cook him some food. Wow. And he would eat it and be like, it's too much salt. And throw the plate against the wall. Yeah. Now, I'm a kid watching this type of stuff. You I mean, to this day. My kids, who are grown, have never even seen me argue with my wife. Right. This guy, he was doing the most, right? And so we would bump heads. He turned out to be a great man. And the reason I say that, if my mother caught cancer, they gave her 1% to live. They cut her from ear to ear. Her Mm. head was this big. She came out talking to the machine. My father stood with her through the whole thing. Yeah. You know, most men, they run away at stuff like that. But... He liked to hit, he was abusive, he was on that type of time. This back then, yeah. right. right? And then one day, my father went to hit me, we was eating, and I caught it, mm-hmm. boom. And then he went to kick me, I grabbed his legs, I had him like hanging upside down, so I was a big 14. So I tell him in Spanish, you can't with me no more, you mm-hmm. can't with me no more. And so I let him go, I don't hit my father, but I immediately ran out to the staircase, and I just cried like a baby. I was so hurt for myself for what I had done to my father. I was so ashamed and embarrassed that I ran to the staircase and kept crying, and I said, I can't be here. Yeah. Like, I was like, I can't. You know, I violated my father. I got to go. And I immediately started hustling the next day. I was living in a crackhead hotel. where you paid $35. Mm -hmm. They're shooting heroin and the AIDS epidemic at the door. Mm -hmm. They're busting people's heads open. I would act tough, but I really wasn't that tough. Yeah.
2: But Joe says being out on his own toughened him up real quick. He became a ruthless dictator, running the streets with his crew, known as
3: the Terror Squad. I was a young savage with a loaded firearm in my hand. That really is a combustible combination. I've robbed a lot of people in my day. I've mugged modest, honest, hardworking citizens, unfortunately. I pilfered the pockets of the most nefarious criminals walking the streets. I was literally a kid when I became a stick-up kid, 14 years old. We sold a lot of drugs and made a lot of money. Wow. The type of disrespect we was doing out there was foul. It yeah. broke my mother and father. You know, I got shot in front of my mother. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Shot in front of my mother. Talk about that you a know, little bit. We was getting money, a lot of money, and this is the lesson in this. Mm-hmm. One time, I had gave this kid from my block ten dollars. Ten dollars. And I would pick on this guy every time I see him. I'd be like, "Yo, you got my ten dollars? You got my... I got thirty thousand cash in my pocket." Right. You don't know how people think or how scared or intimidated they are or fragile they are. So one day we go July 4th, we got a picnic, a barbecue. We over there a hundred deep. Yeah. A hundred. I had a hundred guys with me. I'm thinking I am the toughest guy in the universe. Not even, like, forget about it. You know, if we had this project fight against my project, I would be the guy to be like, hold up. (laughs) <laughs> right. One on one, pull out the best guy. Let's go. And th- No, th- this this the type of time I was on. Like, hold right. up, The whole project is like chill. I'm like, yo, crack. Pull out your best one. Let's rock and roll, baby. Right? So I was on that type of time, right? And so I turned the corner. Here's this guy. He got a trench coat on. It's 100 degrees. It's July 4th. And he's looking at me. Mm. Right? Like, demented. I'm like, I just, so I went to the store, I bought a Diet Pepsi. That's my drink, but at that time it was glass. I don't want to scare you, you ladies, right? But so I come out, that's when I see him. He looks like demented yeah. or something, right? But not enough. He's demented, but not enough. So again, what f- you doing here? This, this, this. We going back and forth. He pulls out the gun. As he pulls out the gun, I'm still, who the f- you? Who you think this? So I hit him in the head. I smashed his head with with the bottle I had in my hand. It's so hard. You see the sawdust in the air. And then the white meat start getting red. Bless your head now, to the I white I told you meat. he was demented, but not enough. Right. But me hitting him pushed him over the edge mm-hmm. and gave him that extra. He looked at me and laughed. He said, I needed that. Ooh. He cocks this thing back. Like, he's so far away from me, I can't jump on him or nothing like that. Right. So I got to run. So as I'm running, the whole world slows up like this matrix. Mm-hmm. I'm running like this. And I'm looking back, and you see the shells going. Like in real life, yeah. this ain't a movie. It was like, right. and I'm looking back, and the bullets is going. Right? Now. I have two guns in my car, plus a hundred guys around the corner. Okay, as I'm running, I had to make a decision. Now, if I run right through here, I get to the car.
5: Right.
3: He, he's not going to hit me. Right. But if I run through here, there was a bunch of little kids playing right, there. Right, right, right. And that one split second that I said, Nah, Joe, you got to go the long way. Boom, I get hit. Boom, I get hit. The second I I, I said, I'm not going to run through these kids. He's shooting, he hits me twice. My mom's Mm -hmm. just standing there. Yeah, She's looking at me. My whole shirt, white t-shirt is red. And I'm looking at my mother and I'm running past her to the car, trying to get to the guns. When I finally get to the guns, I go, ooh. I never felt nothing like that. I got woozy. I couldn't even
2: pick up the guns. Right.
3: Oh. So my Uncle Will drives me to the hospital. I get in the hospital, they start cutting my clothes immediately. The minute I walk in, I'm thinking I'm gonna die. I've never been shot before, nothing.
2: And what was your lesson in that, Joe?
3: Don't bully nobody. <laughs> <laughs> right? You also, the other lesson is you could be with a hundred guys, but when you turn that corner, you're alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know. That's a big <laughs> lesson to learn, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, when did you make the turn from being part of the problem to being part of the solution?
3: Well, I think I was always a good person. Like she said, mm-hmm. you was a good person doing bad things. I always had a clean heart and uh, and was trying to look for a way out. And um, my man Diamond D, you know, digging in the crates, he said, man, Joe, you're gonna die out here. Mm-hmm, he yeah. said, you should put this in your music mm-hmm.
4: wherever you're listening.
3: And and leave the streets. My attention started to wane from hustling. I was disgusted by all the violence. And the truth is, I started to witness the possibilities of another better life.
2: At age 21, Joe entered the amateur night competition at the legendary Apollo Theater in Harlem.
3: It really weren't no Latinos going up to the Apollo rapping at the time. I told my hood delegates, I was going up to the Apollo to try out and they were looking at me like I was crazy. Yo, bro, you making money, you clicking. The f- you talking about rapping? Everybody asked.
2: He was an instant hit, winning first place four weeks in a row. Word spread about Joe's magnetic personality and gangster raps. Soon, the head of a major record label offered Joe a deal that changed his
3: life forever. I just signed it right there. I didn't know shit about contracts either. I was choosing life. I got a $50,000 advance from Relativity. I couldn't believe it. It was proof to myself that I could make big money honestly without doing crime or risking my life. Joe,
2: what lesson did you learn after becoming so successful?
3: Uh, when keeping it real goes wrong, you yeah. know? And so... Oh,
2: we're keeping it real goes <laughs> wrong. That could be another wrong. name for a book as well. Oh, yes.
3: Loyalty is everything to me. Yeah. It's in my DNA. I'm, I'm the last man standing with you. Uh, and I go down with the shit, yes. right? And growing up in my neighborhood, you know, when I became successful, I just thought I had to take everybody with me. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's a bit of survivor's guilt. Yeah. And so when you got the lady who used to give you pork chops, she gets sick and somebody calls and says, yo, Joe, she needs a new hip. How are you going to say no to the lady? That's they right. You know you got millions. Yeah. So you know, you look out and you just trying to bring everybody along. And so I tried, you know, for many years. Every time you saw me, I had 40, 50 guys with me, yeah. um, tough guys. You know, and I wanted to help them and pay their rent, buy them cars and this and this and that. And one day I can't sleep, it's God talking to me. God sent me a sign. These people, a lot of them ain't really worthy. It wasn't worthy of me taking care of them and wasting my money and wasting, you know, my energy and my time. God told me, yo, man, call all these guys. We in Puerto Rico. We flew over there in two private planes. We had the Four Seasons, these guys popping champagne. So I called them, it was like 40 of us. And I said, listen, I ain't got money no more. I ain't got it, I can't take care of you. These guys I grew up with, since I'm a kid, a baby. And 35 of them was like, are you crazy? This is our money, this, if you would have heard the type of story they was talking. And so five of them said, yo, I'm your brother, no matter what, whether you're broke or not. Five out of 40? Five out of 40. Wow. And so I got rid of them. You know, it's a big lesson.
2: Were your feelings, like, hurt? Like, what was your heart, oh, destroy, like, Oh, destroyed, devastated.
3: Yeah. Just a lot of letdowns. the way they did me, it was crazy. And I'm the type of guy that you don't do that to. Right. That's all that just drains you, and it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Another crazy story. I go to jail, right? So I was popping since I was 19, OK? And I got nothing but hits and I'm making money. We popping champagne. The girls think I'm fly. It is what it is. So then I get into some trouble with the taxes, which really wasn't my fault. At age 42,
2: Joe says he hit rock bottom. His accountant had been stealing from him and
3: hadn't paid Joe's taxes in two years. Joe was furious. You ain't paid none of my mortgages, I asked. You ain't paid none of my bills. Hey, buddy, don't kill me, buddy. He said. Flustered. Then he started pleading with me. Don't hurt me. I never said I was going to hurt you. I insisted. My tone lowering and my demeanor calming. I send you money every month and you ain't paying my bills? I asked again. Truth was, he was robbing me.
2: The case cost Joe $5 million plus four months of freedom.
3: So I sit in the cell. This is unbelievable. Like. I was in Central Pay two days before. I swear to God, I'm not lying. I was in Central Pay, Nikki's (laughs) Beach. I'm in this (laughs) cell. Like, what the? Chico was here, Taco (laughs) was here. Like, what the am I doing in this place, right? Right. And it finally hit me. It said, bro, you 40. They took all your money. Window in the cell was getting smaller and smaller, smaller. I had to devise a plan. You know, and so when I came out, I went straight to work. And, you know, we came out all the way up. And then we knew the business after that. I knew, you yeah. know, yeah, I'm going to open some business.
2: So would you say that going to jail was a turning
3: point for you? For sure. Yeah. It made me take my life serious because yeah. prior to that, you're running that. around like, yeah, yo, I what's it. up, yeah. was good, yo? Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. You're not taking life serious. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Lil Wayne gave you some advice before you went to jail. Lil Wayne's my brother, man. Uh, One of the saddest things I ever did was go visit Lil Wayne in jail. Yeah, I know about that. Not only that, they had him like chained up. Yeah. Like, you know, really chained up. Like, Lil Wayne. They had Lil Wayne. I'm like, they had him in shackles and all that. They had him like, you know, like he was the killer of all, right? He's my brother, man. He lives across the street from me in Miami. And so I'm walking into the jail. And I get a phone call. And uh, it's ugly. The building's ugly. It's just rusty and ugly. It looked like one of them Harry Potter buildings or something. The gate was like so to... And so I get a phone call, it's little Wayne. Wayne. About I had to get myself in at eight o'clock. It was maybe 7.59. And I was like, yo, Wayne, what's up? And he was like, nah, man, I'm just telling you right now, be humble. I said, well, how do you do it? He said, just be humble, bro. Don't go there on some, yeah. just go in there humble. You know, if you be humble, they'll respect you, you know. And then they threw me a curveball because I'm from New York, but my residence is Miami. So last minute, they made me go to jail in Miami where I ain't know nobody. Mm. Mm. So when I get to Miami and they said, listen, we have murderers in here. We have rapists in here. We have leaders of cartels because Miami's the hub. Now, they grab everybody and throw yeah. it in there. That was the building I was in. I thought I was going to do some Martha Stewart type right? pink, you know, you know, (laughs) knit. You know, I thought I was going Martha Stewart on them, right? They threw me in the darkest (laughs) building. I'm like, yo, what? So he's like, yo, we never had nobody like you in here. So we want to put you in a solitary confinement. But solitary confinement is the biggest punishment you could do. That's rough. I'm like, look, I got to be with the people. I'm humble. So they let me go. And I never forget, because I, I I pride myself on being a tough guy, never really scared of nobody, like a man's man, right? I don't back down, nobody, right? And so they open the door. It's 2,000 guys. Haitians, Jamaicans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. I, 2,000 cock diesel guys. They see me and all together go, ah! It felt like the, the game of thrown the dragon. <laughs> and I, I got intimidated. Yeah. For one second, I said, Joe, don't fall. You're right. than these guys. Joe, don't fall. Yeah.
2: yeah. So Joe, we've lost some serious talent in the rap world. I know you've been speaking on this quite a bit. The day after Grammy-nominated rapper Takeoff was tragically murdered, Fat Joe posted this on Instagram.
3: I've been up all night. I ain't sleep. Rest in peace to the young brother, Takeoff. One of the most humblest kids i met of this generation. Now, I do not know the details of why this gentleman was killed, but I could talk from being the eldest statesman of hip-hop. We as a community, we have to move on to a new level of thinking. We have to elevate. We can't sit here saying the white man keeping us down. We got to fight through that and be the great kings and queens that we are. This needs to be a new era of self-love, a new era of community. What's gonna stop these young brothers from getting killed every month? What you're not realizing is that with every young king that you kill, it's another person of hope from our community. What's sad is I don't understand why we hate our own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, mean you can
2: say that. And okay.
3: obviously, when you're killing somebody, you're killing your cousin, you're killing your brother. And we got an evil out here. The devil is just really out here right now, mm-hmm. like never before. Yeah. Look at Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. 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 This guy was doing for his community, right? So right now, you can say, man, Joe opened businesses. He's always giving back to the community. But if Joe gets killed out there, you'd be like, he was dumb. He ain't had to be there. Yeah. Why he ain't stay in the big house? Why? And so, damn if you do, damn, damn if, if you don't. Right.
2: Over the past couple of years, the hip hop community has been rocked by a string of deadly robberies.
3: Unfortunately, there's people in our own community that hate on someone else's success. Mm-hmm. You could say, damn, Joe, why you got them diamonds on? But we ain't had Right. So it was summertime. We didn't have an AC. We had to sleep on the floor. When we ran out of toilet paper, we wiped our ass with the newspaper. Mm-hmm. When we ain't had no meat, we ate eggs and rice. Mm-hmm. So you can't really break down this poor thing to me because we know it. Right. right? And so we try to inspire our community. Look, you can have this. It's attainable. You said that you were really shook with the murder of PMB I wouldn't say shook, but I would say that bothered me a lot. Here's a positive kid, never bothered nobody. He wasn't into no trouble or nothing. And this kid, you're going to kill him in front of his wife for nothing. What about the kids in there, the ladies in there, the men in there? Right. Everybody traumatized. You see the guy get his brains blown out for no reason. I was talking to Charlemagne. I said, there's some jobs that ain't going nowhere. Right. Prostitution mm-hmm. was around since Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. <laughs> Robbing been around since Jesus, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, there's always going to be an aggressive person who don't have nothing who's willing to rob somebody. Right. So when I talk directly, I like to think Joe could talk directly to the robbers. Listen, man, you could rob them. Why kill them? Right. Mm-hmm. And my thing is, when they step over the line of when they killing that's another type of evil
2: yeah what do we do about all of this this violence in the community i think people just feel so freaking hopeless about
3: it i know the key i know okay. the answer is god that's it grace i just feel like we lost a lot of morals what we got to do Is more mentorships. There's a lot of black and brown people that got a lot of money these days that we could just invest in the neighborhood coach that we know he's really the good guy.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. You know, we we, we
3: know that this this lady is really teaching those girls how to dance. Right. When you see the real deal, we have to invest in that. Yeah, when people are really putting in work. There's a lot of people, you know, trying to help. You know, to get overlooked.
2: And the truth of the matter is, no quick fix. I think you're right, Joe, as far as like just putting back into the community. I mean, between the killing and also the ODs, specifically in the rap world, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's dark times. Um, and I think
4: people just need to feel some sort of hope, has always been the thing, right? Well,
3: I could tell you that Fat Joe. Has been shot at maybe 30, 40 times. Try to get framed to go to jail. Been betrayed a million times. And I never used drugs. Right. And I still made hit records. So they lied to the kids and tell them, you got to be high to make a hot record. Mm. I still made a hot record. And so I just believe in, you know, dealing with it yourself. God is the checkmate. Yeah. I have a funny story for y'all. You know, DJ Khaled's my little brother, and I discovered Khaled, right? And Khaled really is what he is. Positive, love yeah. his family, love his kids, love his he's that. And through the years, he's become even more successful than me. And I've always been happy for him. I've never been jealous of him. But every now and then you ask, God, I thought I was your favorite. Because this guy, he's just too lucky, right? <laughs> so, nah, nah, he's the most luckiest guy in the world, right? So one day I'm in the house by myself, and I get it. It's God talking to me, yeah, and I, I know it. Too. And so when I understand that, I run to Khaled's house. Because I live three minutes away. I go to his house. When I walk through the back, Khaled's in the jacuzzi. I say, yo, Khaled. He's looking at me, I say, I've been talking to God. He jumped up so high and said, God is the greatest, 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 God is great." He wouldn't stop, God is the greatest. And I said, this mother knows. Mm-hmm. He knew what was the key. And that's the key. At the end of the day, ain't nothing moving like that.
2: Right.
3: And so when you, you got to get faith, you got to become a believer. Nothing is more powerful than God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, another strength of mine is women. Like, I'm surrounded by women, mm-hmm. strong women.
2: I'm glad Tougher you Tougher than that. any army. Come on, Joe, now speak God. on that.
3: That's what I'm talking about. The girls protect me.
2: I know. I so mean they mean <laughs> like know they do. But you know what? You do the same for them. Oh, yeah. that's and that's a, what makes it a beautiful, beautiful relationship. That's a
3: fact. Hold my sisters down, you know? That's the story of my life. Having strong sisters around me, powerful sisters. And I get in the middle of. Certain arguments and I'm the brother that looks out for the sisters. Right. Somebody had asked me, yo, why'd you jump out and defend Ashanti like that? No, no, I'm. I love gonna... that you did that. But listen, this guy who's a friend of mine, he said, yo, you Ashanti. See, that's what now, I'm saying, Joe. I'm sitting here like flabbergasted. Like this was like, you know, uh blasphemy or some, b- right? Because she's been my sister 20-something Absolutely. years. Right. Right, Herb, my brother, I'm not even going to lie to you. I love him. He came for me at a time of my life. I'm not trying to disrespect Herb. I'm talking about the situation. That's right. Where somebody I considered one of my brothers was like, yo, you f-ing I was like, are you crazy? Like, that's my sister. And then I noticed when I started telling him that's my sister, his whole face calmed down and said, wow, she really is his sister. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, no, I seen the whole face change and he was like, oh. It ain't, I'm like... But for you,
2: Joe, it might seem normal. Me
3: personally, I give no perv vibes.
2: Right, right. Well,
3: like, no,
5: that's what I'm J-Lo's saying. my sister.
3: She never saw me look at her ass when the whole world was talking about her ass. Right. None of my girlfriends, my wife's friends, my right. di- none of them get that vibe. And you've been married 27 years. Yeah. Oh, wait a oh, minute. Is this
2: your wife? Oh. my girl. Oh, wow. she... Oh, let's
3: talk... She She loves you. Let me tell you, she I told lo- me to tell you she loves you.
2: Tell her thank yeah. you. That's and my she hot Latina
3: is- mama. You see? Yes. Goddamn, she walked through that motherfucker looking <laughs> like, oh <laughs> shit, he got one. Goddamn. Let me damn. tell you. He what, got, she walking in my wall like, ooh, look at. What damn, I respect
2: me- is that you guys have been able to do what you do, the marriage thing, for 27 yeah. years. As we know, that's not easy. You yeah, know what I so- mean?
4: wherever you're listening.
2: It's hard. I want to talk about your wife just for one
3: second. Let's talk about it.
2: We see that she's gorgeous, but what are those characteristics about her that you feel like make you strong? Yeah. And that attracted you to her.
3: No disrespect. Can we just say no disrespect?
2: No disrespect.
4: Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, I like the
3: fat ass. Right, right? okay, well, so hold up. Is this wrong now? Yo, hold up. No, you want me hold up. I'm gonna break. Can I break this down? Can I break this down? Yeah, break it (laughs) down. Hold up. Break it down, break it down. Let's give him a minute. This is before I had any money. I had nothing. Right. Right. Let's be clear: I didn't have a dollar, nothing. I'll tell you the whole story. She moved to Miami because she had an ex-boyfriend who used to beat her up all it. the time. She was so scared of him, she moved to Miami. Just so happens, I'm going to Miami with my man, Steve Lobel. So he said, yo, I got some girlfriends coming. I was like, yeah, you got some girlfriends? He was like, oh, they are definitely not talking to your fat ass. Like, <laughs> you better <laughs> leave that. Like, she don't like broke <laughs> <drunk> dudes, <laughs> fat dudes. Like, you are all the way out, right? So we pull up. We in the van, the light of the van. Flash right on her, her ass. Oh my and God! My, my, you were say hold on, hold on. Let her me get face. this. Hold, her oh face. my God! Let,
2: oh, her face. let, let me say.
3: Like, can I say something? No. Yes. I never <laughs> seen nothing like that. Right. So oh my God. I'm from the Bronx. I never see. I jump out the car. She turned around. I'm like, Oh my God! Like I could not believe how beautiful she was. Even more beautiful. So I looked. I said, Oh my God. She's. You're beautiful. Like, you know, it, it, you know you, it, it came out the mouth. Right. We in Miami for like a week or two. Right. So I keep trying. Then I convinced her. I said, can I take you to the movies or something? She said, listen, I don't like guys with big mouths. Mm. If I let you take me to the movies, don't say shit. So I went to the movies. Made out for the first time. It's a beautiful thing. She's dry. I, I used to love this. She, she was a gangster. She <laughs> dry the car. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She drive the car. I'm just sitting on the side, like, and she driving gangster and shit. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right. So she drops me back oh, off. God. I run and tell all my my hoku. Oh, so do exactly. The Colombian chick. Oh my God. slob the down. Oh my God. Kiss me here. Like, I'm like. All of a sudden, she don't answer my calls. She ain't calling me back. Mm-hmm. I finally see her. So I'm like, yo, what's up? Where you been? She said, I told you I don't like guys with big moms. I was like, so at that point, I could have lied. I could have. I never been with a girl like you. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm sorry. I told her, like, I can't believe it. Like, right? <laughs> we were good. Three days later, we get back to New York. I'm driving around Manhattan with her. And she's like, yo, let's get a drink. So I pull over at a bar. It it was an Irish pub by Wall Street. So as we walking in, she goes like this. And she stiffs up. Now look at her. Her ex-boyfriend happens to be at the bar. You can't make this up. She stiffed up, like, out of fear. The guy turned around, looked at me, and looked down at the floor. I said, he'll never say nothing to you again. Mm. Let's go. We kept walking, he never said no to her again. Right. He knew what time it was, right? The last phase of the story is, me and my son's moms had recently broke up. Really my fault, completely my fault. She was a great woman, she's a school teacher, smart. I was just too young, yeah. running around, yeah. wilding every day, you know, back in the days you used to write the number on the paper. Yeah. Every day she'd go in my pocket, 60 numbers come out, the next right. day, same thing, that was terrible. When we broke up, I said, you can take whatever you want in the house. And boy, did she take everything. I mean, every furniture, every TV, every painting. I was left with a mattress on the floor. Then I had this big robe and I would use it as the curtain so the sun won't <laughs> hit me. And I had a boom that's it. Right. So I walked my wife into there and she's like, what the f- is this? She said, this is where you live? I was like, yeah, this is where I live. You know, I'm, you know, I'm on hard times. She was like, and she started out with me. And then she had girlfriends who used to tell her, you talking to this fat guy, he broke, he ain't got, what are you doing? She was like, nah, I know my fat boy gonna make it. I know my fat boy gonna make it. She's a rider. Yeah, that's why she get whatever and she wants. she ain't <laughs> yeah. take your Oh no, she still don't.
2: And that's why. <laughs>
3: Listen, let me tell you something.
2: That's what makes her dope.
3: She's serious. And so so I could tell everybody. And she's fine. Oh, she's bad. You got a triple but threat. the deal me and her made was, if I get rich, if anything happens this, we're never going to change on each other. We're going to be with each other forever.
2: That's it. And that's what you're talking about, loyalty. And
3: of course, you know, and I'm telling you right now, Red Table, nothing is perfect. Nothing is easy. You got to work through everything.
2: Yeah. It's like she could see your heart
3: she could see you. Like, yo, she ain't going to fold on me. And even when I went through the tax problems, and I spoil you her because we came from nothing. She got Birkins, all types of diamonds, all types. She's, she's yeah, doing she's it. Too good. Too good. You understand? <laughs> Too good, I think they got a stash closet somewhere, a whole another apartment for clothes. Willow, we know those tricks. The guys know those tricks. Oh, There's man. no way the money she spends adds up to the closet in the house. Yeah. How old are you now?
4: 20, 21, about to turn
3: 22. Oh, well, you 21, 22. My daughter's 16. She checks me oh. every oh, yeah. second of the day. She's, Yo, yeah. you can't say that.
2: Yeah. Dad. That's how she knows. I know. She was just no. doing that to me out there.
3: So my daughter turned 16, and there were some flowers at my house. Oh. So they called me and said, some boy sent the flowers. Ooh. I pulled over the car. (laughs) The last time I did this when Michael Jackson died, then I had to pull over for like 20 minutes. Started hyperventilating in the car, like (sighs) I had to go through that and get home. Who's the flowers? Well, in any case, she got a friend, right? So she goes, you know, this little boy likes her. It's different, bro. It's different when you go, it's your little girl. You love more than life. He's a nice kid. Oh. Oh, my gosh. She's yeah. gorgeous. So cute. She's older now, what though. She's 16. She's...
2: Oh, my goodness. I love that picture.
4: Right?
3: Yeah. And so people come at me. They want fixed marriages. We want my son with your daughter. Rich, rich, rich people. Like, I'm like, yo, she's 16. Then they turn around and be like, yo, but we rich. And so I'm like, and we rich, too. <laughs> 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 what you talking about? She will need <laughs> Like, don't she look like she doing good? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what I could tell the, the girls not in your position or my daughter's position is you got to level up. Yeah. You got to get a guy who knows what the future is. Yeah. Because if you get with a guy who thinks the projects is cool, then that's your life. You
2: right. Know? So whatever, you got to really check that mentality. And that goes on both sides. Well, yeah. yeah if for she him. Thinks, yes. And for her. For sure. So our RTT fam heard you were coming, and they were super
4: excited. So... Hi, Red Table Talk, and Fat Joe. My name is Gigi Rumbacher. I'm a singer-songwriter, and my question for you, Fat Joe, is if you could bring back two people who have passed on, who would they be, and why? Oh, wow.
3: Well, you know, uh, if it's just music, it would be Biggie and Big Pun. Right. You know, oh my God, like these guys died so young, and uh, they were my good friends, man, yeah. my brothers, man. My best time at life is when. I discovered Pun and we went through everything. We got rich together, we got famous together. Big Pun was funny and he was so crazy. And so they used to call me the fun killer. Like I'd come and I'd be like, yo, what y'all doing, you crazy? Come on, get out of here. Like these guys were like a hot mess, right? Biggie was my brother since day one too. Such a beautiful guy, like he didn't have to pass away. It's really sad. Absolutely.
2: I feel you on that for sure. So social media influencer AJ has a question for you as well.
3: Yo, Fat Joe, what it do, man? Huge fan. Hey, been rocking with you since the beginning. Shout out to the BX. Um, My question for you is, with you being a mentor and an elder statesman in the game, someone that everyone looks up to, what advice would you give to Kanye West for the things that he's been saying and everything that's happening to him right now? i tell y'all something. I was up a whole night going over what he said, and I was just like, damn. I mean, he really did it this time. And so I was just thinking about it and how he hurt people with his statements and his comments. He really said some terrible things. And this morning on the way here, I came out my hotel. The door opened, and it was Kanye West by himself. And we talked for about an hour. And uh, wow. I said, you know what, Yay, man, you do church. There's no more powerful person than God. Sit down, talk to God. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, yay, there's people that love you. I told him just like this. I grabbed his shoulder. I said, well, God is telling me to tell you this. And I just told him, bro. You gotta snap out of this, man. You gotta get focused and look to God, because God is the answer, God is the key. Whatever you gotta do, he just gotta make it right with himself, make it right with everybody he offended and he hurt. And just live whatever life we have left in peace. Yeah. That's all we could pray for. That, you know, he finds that. The only person who got that answer from for Kanye right now is God. Ain't nobody else. It's just God. So my thing is, you preach in that church, you're around holy people, you're around people who know way better than me. What I'm telling you is look to God. Look to God. Because he's the only person that can straighten this out. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, Joe, thank you. Thank you so much. Much this was really very interesting this was conversation. A cool yeah yeah. yeah cuz yeah. we really I mean Joe honestly we could talk to you all day I know. and everybody don't forget go out there and buy that book <laughs> to join the Red Table Talk family and become a part of the conversation follow us at facebookcom Talk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Table Talk podcast produced by Facebook Watch, Westbrook Audio and iHeartRadio.
4: From BBC Radio 4.
1: 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side-by-side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.